0: Prospects After Dark on a Friday night. It is July 1st, 2022. It is my brother James' uh, 49th birthday. Uh, again, welcome Cardinal Nation or Twitter people or YouTube people to uh, Prospects After Dark for the first time in many, 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 many moons. Uh, towards the it says, happy birthday, Jameses. <laughs> yeah, I can't even speak right. I don't even do the whole birthday wishes to my brother properly. Uh, again, welcome everybody to Prospects After Dark. Again, I'm your host, Kyle Reese, for Birds on the Black and Prospects After Dark. Uh, I am your host. For those of you who have never been in Prospects After Dark, for those of you who don't know how this goes, basically I rant and I talk and we talk about Cardinals and we talk about Cardinals prospects. Uh, uh, but basically you guys ask questions and you say things. And sometimes we talk serious, a lot of times we don't. And mostly what we're just trying to do is lighten the mood and take it easy and it's uh, uh, kind of Soak in a Friday feeling. Uh, what we also do is drink. We drink. Uh, Looking good from Tate. Hello. Thank you, Tate. I appreciate it. What we also do mostly during prospects after dark is drink. Uh, to bring it back old school, we're gonna drink four roses. That's kind of how we roll. GM Gersh's shirt is still on. Shake my head. Uh, I feel the same way. You know, it'll come off at some point if we get a crazy enough crowd. If uh, uh, if if we really bring it strong, like. The Lord and Savior intended. Uh, then the shirt will probably come off. Uh, if not, uh, then I apologize ahead of time. Reminder: You can go on YouTube. Uh, we had a lot more success the last time we did prospects after dark, going through YouTube live. I sent a link on the Twitter page. Uh, feel free to do that. Um, you know, I, I ask everybody again: uh, Bring your prospect questions. Look, my DMs are flooded all day with uh, with people asking me questions, and I'm not, like, I know that that's fact. I have an open DM feel free to, uh, to open it up, uh, to get in there, slide on in, ask any questions you want. Uh, the other thing we're drinking tonight, in addition to Four Roses, is this beer from Modern Bruco, uh, which is in Manchester here in Missouri. Uh, not too far away. It's in the county. It's in St. Louis County, but it's stupid, and there's a whole municipality thing in St. Louis, which is really stupid, but uh, we're drinking this. It's called After Dark, and uh, to Modern, and it's awesome, and I love this can, and clearly it was influenced by Cardinal's gifts, I would think, in some capacity, so uh, to uh, to beer. What's on everybody's mind? Hey, Stu Stiles. Hey, baby. What's on everybody's mind? Uh, It's awfully quiet tonight. I would think after a loss like that, that Cardinals fans would be angsty and, like, angsty and a little uh, suffering from a severe amount of anguish. Uh, You know, I'm not the type to get super down on a June, end of June, early July loss, and I don't blame people for feeling those emotions. Uh, (laughs) Caleb Noble says, Hi, Kyle, I love you and Nolan. The better question now is which Nolan? Uh, but it is dire, and uh, you know it feels dire when they lose a the game five to three, especially when they were up. Uh, you got to take. I think it would make Cardinal fans feel better if they took the next two or three from the Phillies. Uh, Andy Heckross says, "Would you have pulled Michaelis after five tonight?" Yeah, you know uh, we talked about it in the Prospects After Dark fantasy baseball chat. And it didn't seem like Michaelis had it to start. You know, his command was off, his velocity was down. He had a really good second inning that was helped by some good defense as well. But uh, it seemed like when he was going to fail, he was going to fail hard. The tough thing is, you know, they're coming off an off day. uh, They're still trying to be a little careful with with all of their bullpen pieces because of some ineffective bullpen pieces that are still there. Uh, I would have, I think. I think I probably would have gone with Zach Thompson. I probably would have continued to stretch Zach Thompson out. Um, and I know Oviedo let up a home run, but I'm still not down on Oviedo. Uh, I like that he recovered, um, you know, relatively speaking. Uh, but you know, it's, it's easy to second guess those decisions. I I don't know. I, I get why he left him in. It feels to me like Miles Michaels only lets up runs like late in games, right? Like it's never it never seems early. You know, it it seems like it's always. Uh, pushing him into the sixth, he lets up runs. Pushing him into the seventh, he lets up runs. At least that's what it feels like to me. Uh, I like Miles Michaelis a lot. And, you know, when you get a, when you get a guy like that he has been basically your ace, you know, uh, it's such a crappy term to use, but when he's basically been your best starting pitcher, which is probably more appropriate, when he's basically been your best starting pitcher, you have to give him a little bit of a leeway to, to, to get himself in and out of situations. And also, you know, your, your first day back off of um, a day off, it probably makes a lot of sense to try to get some as many innings out of him as you can. You know, that, that wasn't the dagger. That wasn't the nail in the coffin. Uh, but, uh, yeah, look, I, I see both sides of it, I guess, is what I'm rambling on and saying. To Cardinals, given VHS over on YouTube, hi, fellas, I love you. Thank you for being here for Prospects After Dark. On YouTube, again, you can ask questions on either Twitter. We have a couple questions on Twitter, and then we also have what's going on on YouTube. Uh, but VHS says, Kyle, Mikey, and Tico just got promoted to double-A. He's already stolen 37 bases. He stole 38th this year. Um, at the risk of getting ahead of myself, is there a chance we have a Terrence Gore type on our hands? You know, I uh, I don't remember what kind of defender Terrence Gore was. Mike Antico is a really solid defensive center fielder. I wouldn't call him, like, um, plus in any capacity. He still gets a little weird close to the wall. Maybe he gets a little tentative in gaps. I don't think he necessarily has the arm for that. And I don't think he has uh, Gore's like, bottom-line speed. I think what he has is intelligence on the base path. I think he reads pitchers particularly well, especially at the minor league level. Uh, I, I do think, you know, I compare him to a speedy version of Scott Hurst. I think Scott Hurst is the better defender. Not as good of a base runner. Might not have as much pop. But to me, like, that's the kind of prospect he is. Scott Hurst is speedy. He just was never able to, like, to employ that uh, in a stolen base capacity. Um, you know, I think I think now... Mike Antico's 38 for 41 in stolen bases, which is something I've never seen out of a Cardinals prospect before. So, yeah, you know, maybe maybe what he is is some version of like Adrian Chambers and Terrence Gore, uh, but left-handed, 100% left-handed swinging and awfully, awfully white. Uh, Tate underscore WC says, in a theoretical trade to acquire pitching, do you think they exclude Burleson in those talks? I don't know. You know, I. I don't know what's going on with the Cardinals, right? Like, so in my mind, I don't—I would not think that Alec Burleson would be the type of prospect that they would avoid trading. But I also don't think that they would actively shop him. Um, you know, he's not as good of a defender as Lars Núñez is. He has more power, probably more polish, uh, different kind of approach than Lars Núñez. He's a clubhouse guy. He's a corner outfielder. Uh, but no, I you know I would think that if the Cardinals were really serious about upgrading their starting pitching from a different organization, that Alec Burleson would be a name that they would consider moving. You know, I don't I don't know anything in that regard. Uh, you know, I, I think that w- what I'm coming from is a lot of fans talk about Alec Burleson, a lot of fans talk about Lars Newbar when when we talk about Cardinals upgrading their starting pitching. So I I tend to lump those two guys together, and Lars Núñez just seems like. Uh, so he seems so much to me like a cardinal player. You know, he's great in the clubhouse. Uh, I don't know. I just so I, if I were to guess, you know, I, I would say probably Alec Burleson would be the two, one of the two, depending on what teams valued that would get moved. But yeah, look, there, there's no reason to think that uh, uh, Alec Burleson would be like one of the untouchables if you were or if you will rather. G Brown five twelve says, Antico going to get to sixty steals? I don't think so. Uh you know, he's not too far off the pace. There's still two and a half full months in the minors. I'm anxious to see. You know, he stole base, uh, one for one, at least as we talk right now, one for one and stolen bases at the AA level. Uh, but I, uh, I, things get a little bit more difficult once you get to AA. Uh, you know, Mason Wynn has had success stealing bases at AA. Jordan Walker has had success stealing bases at AA so far. Antigo might not be too far behind, but I am anxious to see if they start getting him more and more. I'm anxious to see how often he gets on base, honestly. You know, he's been really good for two months. He got off to such a bad start. really has been really good for two months uh, getting on base, and that's the key for him. You know, he's leading off for Springfield, led off for Springfield tonight in his first start. And uh, if he's getting on base, he might get to 60, but I'm anxious to see just how stymied he gets uh, by double-A pitching and by double-A catching. Uh, Caleb Noble says both, both Nolan's. Oh, that's great. Good. I'd love to hear it. I'm going to go over to, uh, to. Um, oh, that's right. I can do this thing. How awesome. I'm going to go over to YouTube and a question from VHS. Kyle Eric Longenhagen from Fangraphs updated the Cardinals top prospect ranking today. Did anything he said jump out to you in a noticeable way, positive or negative? Uh, you know, VHS, so I didn't read all his little capsules. I just looked through the list really quick. I want to give... All of those national writers, a uh, ton of credit. Something I haven't really done in the past uh, that I'm making amends for as I'm starting to understand the ins and outs and intricacies of building a prospect list uh, from a national perspective. He does a really great job with the information he has. The only thing that really stuck out to me is my blind spot, which are those kids that are playing in the Dominican or playing in the backfields of the complex. Like That's my blind spot. I don't ask about those guys a lot when I do have the ear of somebody who would be able to inform me. Uh, and I also don't get to see them. So when you know, uh, when they put in uh, Lizardo Espinoza, like I don't know anything about him. I know that he has uh, mirrored stat lines over two years. I know he costs like $100,000. Uh, I know he's small, that he probably won't hit for power, but you might actually, if he grows into his size, he might be able to hit for more power. Uh, like th- those are the things that stick out to me. And that's not necessarily a positive or negative. That's more just um, um, my observations, if you will. Uh, I think that there are some prospects that he's undervaluing, um, but, you know, it's, it's not for me really to say that's, that's his list. Uh, I undervalue those foreign prospects, those Caribbean kids, and I do that intentionally, as most of you guys know. For those of you who might be new to prospects after dark, I do that intentionally because a lot of times when you're talking about kids who have been signed out of the Dominican or Puerto Rico or Colombia or, you know, any of those Caribbean islands, or even abroad, you know, Australia, uh, which the Cardinals have signed, Um, You know, other places. Italy. Um, I do that because most of the time you're talking about 16 to 18 year old kids who we don't have a whole lot of film on, we don't have a whole lot of idea on. They're going to change drastically probably in the four years or three years before they get stateside. And now we don't have a short season to go off of uh, at all. So, um, other than the Complex League, which is a whole thing. Uh, that, that is a whole other set of obstacles in, in the evaluation process. So again, no, no positives, no negatives. I think it's a good sign that Jordan Walker is as highly thought of by everybody uh, as, as he is. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Uh, over on Twitter, our good friend GM Gersh says, can we talk about how good Os- Osvaldo Tovalin is doing this season? Yeah, I will say that it hasn't been as oppressive for Tovalin uh, in Peoria as you would suspect. Um, What he's getting beat on is a lot of low pitches. Like, his swing, that left-handed swing, you think he'd be able to do a little bit more damage with in in low pitches, especially the plane that his swing is on. But he, uh, I don't know, like, he has surprise pop. He doesn't have to swing very hard to generate that pop to get to his power. But he's getting beat low, and I'm surprised by that. I'm not exactly 100% sure what's going on there. I only say that because I want you to know that I need more time to, with my own eyes, Evaluate Osvaldo Tovalin. Uh, Again, the the pop off the bat is undeniable. Even some loud flyouts to the the warning track with like half swings. He's got the power in him. He's a little fringy corner infielder, probably at best. um, Probably a first baseman. He's got some tools at third base that he could grow into. He's still young, but uh, you know, if he's going to be carried as a prospect, it's going to come via uh, the power. So he's got to find a way to tap into that, especially if and adjust to the low pitch. That's, that's all I've seen right now in, like, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks at uh, at high A. So uh, work in progress and a fun kid, you know, a great 10th-round pick that we're even talking about him this this early. Over on YouTube, Robert Morgan says, Unpopular opinion, but really how useful is Pujols in the lineup? Uh, he's perhaps a better coach than a player at this stage. You know, Robert Morgan, I am a... I'm torn by this. So when the Cardinals signed Pujols, and when everybody was last year was talking about bringing Pujols in, like I, I'm very neutral about this. I don't get excited about it. It doesn't like pull at my emotional heartstrings. Uh, it doesn't hit me sentimentally. And at the same time, like if used properly, I could see him being a, a vital tool. It's just that for now, he hasn't been used properly. And when he is being used properly, he's not effective. Uh, you know, he's he's a ticket sale piece. It's good for the organization. You know, I'm sure they sold a bunch of tickets uh, and got people into the stands, and it got fans excited for the first two weeks of the season when he was hitting, uh, and he hasn't hit since. But he, he's an exciting player, and every time he comes up, you know, even if he's not going to hit, everybody's watching because he's Albert Pools, which is good for the Cardinals brand uh, momentarily, even though it doesn't ever. You know, if you're not hitting, that's not good for the Cardinals, but it gets fans excited when he's a part of the lineup. So, uh, looking at it objectively, like, uh, uh, how useful is he? He can still be very useful if he's employed properly, if, he, if he's deployed properly, if he's used properly. It just hasn't been. And uh, we'll have to wait and see. You know, he's got some magic moments ahead of him. It, it, I, I don't know. He's got some magic moments ahead of him. At the very least, the end of the season will be worth it. Even for those who aren't sentimental like myself, I I have a feeling we're going to see some great moments that, uh, even though he's taken up a roster spot and he's not hitting, uh, it it, it makes it worth it in the long run. I'm going to stay over on YouTube for a second. Connor Wehrman says, Hi Kyle, great work on 101 earlier today. What are your thoughts on how the Cardinals have used Thompson? Is him not getting much starting opportunity to sign that they view him as a bullpen guy long term? So first off, thank you very much. Uh, uh, I, look, again, the thrill of a lifetime. These last couple of weeks, couple of months have been crazy for me, dating back to uh, January. You know, I've been on, been on Bernie Nicholas's show a couple times. I was on uh, BK and Ferrario's uh, show, BK and Alex's show today with Tanner Hendricks. Uh, uh, like, These are things I never thought would happen. And I'm getting the opportunity, and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm also very nervous about it and humbled by it uh, and honored by it all. Uh, So thank you very much to them for having me on. I hope I can be on again. And also, uh, Hot Take Central. I I was on Hot Take Central. That's on 590 between 7 and 10. I, I love that show. If you haven't watched that or if you haven't listened to it, not watched it. If you haven't listened to it, it's great. Cam Jansen and Charlie Marlowe and Jimmy the Cat Hayes and Seth Close and uh, Nate Lucas are all really great on that show. And Matt Whitener's in there every once in a while. And Brooke Grimsley's in there every once in a while. It's a great cast with some awesome people. So check that out. But yeah, it's it's, it's been a whole whirlwind uh, uh, to be able to be a part of some of the stuff that I never thought I'd ever be a part of. As far as Thompson's usage in the bullpen goes, I think Thompson is kind of being shoehorned more into what happened with Ryan Helsley than anything else. I just think it's a need and uh, a need for innings along with need for left-handed help in the bullpen. And I think it's all coming together at once. uh, And that's what's stopping Zach Thompson from being a starting option. I do want them to continue to use him in multiple innings. It's just, it's so tough to do now without Genesis Cabrera uh, on the active roster. You know, to be honest, I think that goes more into how he's being used than anything else. Uh, you know, the, the absence of Hennessy Cabrera is felt heavily in the Cardinals, uh, the bullpen, for sure. I'm going to go back over to Twitter for a second, and Torts Illustrated said, thoughts on recent picks that haven't received the same coverage? Ian Bedell, Levi Prater, LJ Jones, etc. Okay, so uh, Torts Illustrated, uh, great question. Let me tell you why it's a great question. Um, you know, first off, let's get to the two guys that I don't Like, Ian Bedell's still recovering from Tommy John. They're taking it careful and slow with him. Uh, You know, he'll be a fast mover if he's healthy. Levi Prater has had some command issues that he just can't get over. He's had diminished velocity, although in some recent relief starts, his velocity's been back up into the mid-90s, which is important. But his command is really what bogs him down, even though he's got that... That super spinning curveball—that's nasty. Uh, the prospect I want to talk about is L.J. Jones, the outfielder, first baseman. Uh, that was the fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft that the Cardinals signed for 100 grand, which allowed them to sign Mason Wynn and Markavian Hence and Jordan. Well, Jordan Walker took a, 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 lowered, a lower slot, but Ian Bedell. And I have to tell you, like watching the L.J. Jones is healthy now. He got off to a slow start for Peoria at High A, but now that he's healthy, that dude is raking. Uh, and at first, it seemed like he was only hitting pitches in his eyes, like from, from here to here, which isn't good for the podcast, from the top of my head to the numbers. Like, if he was going up and tomahawking at pitches, he was getting hits. But now we're seeing him use hit, like kind of use the entire field, although he's mostly pole, but also be able to hit all around the zone. Um, I don't know what he means defensively. I think he's probably a defensive liability. I really honestly haven't seen much of him one way or the other to feel comfortable to say. Um I've seen enough to say that I think he's below average wherever he plays. But I've been really impressed with his bat now that he's healthy. And he's definitely a prospect that's going to go on the dirty 35. And he's definitely one of the more underrated hitting prospects in the organization, not only from a raw power standpoint, but maybe from how he can shorten up on a a two-strike count. So if there's a prospect uh, that you maybe haven't heard of, if you're new to Pat or if you're new to me or you have any questions for me, if there's a prospect that you haven't really heard of that isn't getting a lot of publicity. I think, I think uh, uh, LJ Jones might be your guy. You know, another thing I want to say real fast while we're talking about players and promotions. Uh, I love Pedro Pajes, the catcher that was recently promoted to Memphis, but I think promoting him to Memphis was a mistake. I think he was defensive ready, but I would have liked to have seen Julio Rodriguez get that promotion. I, I think that would have served the Cardinals better in the long run. I think it would have been more interesting, and I think it would have given Pedro Pajes a chance to work on some things that he had regressed back to after a hot streak in Springfield. That is one thing I just disagree with. I don't blame them. I get why they did it. I love that they pushed. They're in a, I love that they're in a position to push their prospects that are having a lot of success uh, quickly. Uh, I just wish they would have done it a little differently in that circumstance. I don't know why that I'm bringing that up following a question about Ian Bedell and Levi Prater and LJ Jones. Uh, real fast over on YouTube, our good friend Victoria Dryden says, Hello, Kyle and Co. Hello, Victoria. It is a pleasure to have you a part of Prospects After Dark. Uh, uh, welcome to the shenanigans. Welcome to everything, Victoria. You're awesome. I hope that you are doing extremely well. Back over on Twitter, Ben Mazzara says, "What is your, What in your mind has made Ryan Lautus so successful and fly up to AAA already, Ben. Well, Ben, that's really simple. You know, it's a great question. Uh, and it's his work ethic. Um, you know, it's, it's getting with the pitching coach, getting in a lab, getting bigger, getting stronger, and working to harness his arsenal. Uh, working to add velocity. Working to get uh, an appropriate amount of spin on the slider. Working to make sure the slider and the fastball come at the same angle and tunnel really well. Uh, it, all of those things. You know, uh, he made a good point in that article with Rob Raines. Rob Reigns is fantastic. You should read that article. I retweeted it early. Follow uh, Rob Raines. Um. Uh. You know, we we love Rob. Uh. But uh, he. I think he he kind of summed it up pretty well. That. Uh. You know, it's all about the work you put in to get to the point where you're at, and that's that's where he's at. He's just putting in that work, and he's moving up the ladder, and, and it's it's showing. Uh. You know. I think. I think with Loudest, when he said in that article that. Uh. You know, some Division Three guys, it's easier to critique them because they're not going up against the same talent, and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, but he did, and he, you know, but the Cardinals found him. They, they saw him. They got him. And those are all positives, and those are all things that we love. You know, again, just more proof that the Cardinals' amateur scouting department is very, very, very good at their jobs. You know, again, Randy Flores is incredible at his job. Uh, not to diminish that, but the people that he surrounded himself with are also incredible at what they do. And we have another undrafted uh, uh, free agent uh, making his way up the Cardinals' ranks to prove it. Another prospect who was promoted from Peoria to Springfield was John Beller. Now, the 2020 draft was only five rounds deep, but John Beller was an undrafted free agent from the 2020 draft, and he's already at AA. And I'll tell you, Beller is a spin monster. He spins everything well. He's probably going to pitch out of the bullpen. I mean, he might start. Uh, we'll see, but don't be surprised if John Beller is a name that you're talking about. John Beller's on my Dirty 35, my updated Dirty 35, which I haven't published or uh, uh, provided for the audience yet. John Beller's a monster, and uh, if he can just harness his command again, uh, we say it all the time, then he's going to be a major leaguer too. Uh, Hello, uh, Robert Morgan says, I watched Brian Laudis at Wash U. Uh, He's the real deal. Yeah, you know, like this time last year he was only throwing 92 miles an hour, and now he's up to 96 to 98. Uh, uh, Again, not a big spin fastball, but... Uh, appropriately spun breaking pitch and it all works really well together. You have to get really excited for that young man coming from Division Three Wash U locally in St. Louis who just might get a chance somewhere down the line to uh, pitch for the St. Louis Cardinals, which is sick when you think about it. Um, oh, Torch Illustrated says, more Burley Boy propaganda. Yeah, look, we love Alec Burleson. Uh, I would personally be heartbroken if the Cardinals traded Alec Burleson. I love that guy with all my heart. I love his family. I love East Carolina University. The Pirates are a crazy environment and a crazy atmosphere, and they're loyal fans. I love East Carolina. Uh, But I would also understand if the Cardinals traded him. Uh, I I would rather, just like with all these prospects, and this is where I get a little... Maybe a little testy. I would rather have the Cardinals trade these prospects than have them come up to the majors, get ten at bats over twelve games, get sent down to the minors uh, for ten days, only play five of them, get brought up to the majors, maybe get twenty at bats in eight days, uh, and then you know have diminished chance, and then never get a chance to really get their feet back underneath them. Uh, I just I want to see these kids get a real chance. So I would rather have them get traded then languish away. Now, I don't necessarily believe Alec Burleson is languishing, or I don't believe he's wasting away at AAA. I remember, last year, the Cardinals were aggressive with him. You know, his first first season in the organization uh, with affiliated ball went from high A to AAA by the end of the year. They can take it a little slower with him, even if he is Major League Ready, which I believe he is. Uh, I, I love Burley. Just an awesome kid, awesome guy, great, uh, great personality, great guy from a great family. Uh, let's see... Underscore shoots says, has Yepes always pulled off this severe? He looks like Javi Baez swinging the bat. No, he hasn't s- pulled off this severe. And it's a great question worth asking. Um, uh, you know, I... Uh, let me put it this way. There are things that Yepes is doing mechanically that I don't think he has always done. I think these are some of the things that he used to do that he maybe got him in trouble in the past. Uh, I think his approach is still the same, which is helping him... A great deal from you know floundering from from struggle from struggling mightily, but uh, I think there are some things that he would do well to avoid. And pulling out is one of them, you know. And I think that that happens when he gets a little happy with his landing foot. Uh, it causes his hips to pull out, which causes his arms to pull out. And I, I don't, I don't know. Those are just things that he doesn't always do that he's been doing a lot. Blind Homer says, "Thank God his shirt is on." Uh, tell me about Kev Brown says Graham. Graham, I love you. Real fast. Uh, yesterday was Graham's birthday. It was Graham's 21st birthday. Oh, Graham, I'm, uh, I meant to Venmo you. I'm sorry. Uh, to Graham, I raised my glass of bourbon. Graham, I love you. Happy birthday, bud. Do uh, the best. Mm. Real fast. Over on, uh, before we get to uh, VHS's question, 630BLND on YouTube says, Who is number one on the prospect hair beard list? Well, you know, prospect number one on the hair list. It's probably, it used to be Kramer Robertson, but he's in the Braves organization, I think now. Uh, but it's probably, I like Alec Burleson's flow, flow a little bit. Uh, I will say on a mustache, it's John Beller. John Beller has the best stash in the organization. Levi Prater had a good one for a while. Uh, Mike Brettel has a really good, thick one. Um, but it's the, the stash is easy. Uh, you know, I'm, no one's got the beard that I have. No one, has, no one comes close to touching the beard. Grant Black has a pretty good beard, actually, now that I, I think about it. Uh, But no, uh, for mustache, it's, it's John Beller, and there isn't even a second. VHS before that asked over on YouTube, Nathaniel Heredia is striking out guys in high A like crazy. I know he's a low arm slot lefty, but just how low is it? And what have you heard about him? Uh, you know, Heredia has a big slider, appropriate spin. It's like 2,400 RPM, I think, spin. It might be even more than that. Uh, he Again, it's, it's pretty low. You know, he almost, he, he really strains his body. Like, he doesn't just throw from a low arm slot. He, like, cranks it around his body and, like, whips it around. Um, 94 to 96 mile an hour fastball, great life, probably walks too many people, a little command issue. He's kind of in that same boat as Evan Sisk was last year, just a lot sloppier uh, mechanically than Evan Sisk. So there's more concerns there. I like Heredia. Heredia is one of those prospects who's on the fringes of my Dirty 35. He'll probably be in that last five group more than likely. And he's also a group of, uh, of relief pitchers at Peoria that are worth Dirty 35 consideration, especially as... Uh, uh, Donovan and Yepes and Libertor and Thompson and Gorman and Walsh and Polante all fall off the Dirty 35. Uh, and we are going back to the Dirty 35 from the Dirty Flirty. Uh, uh, Heredia is on there with uh, uh, Leonardo Tavares and um, Gianluca Delatry and Ryan Laudis and uh, other guys that I'm forgetting right now, Andre Granillo, uh, that are pro- relief pitching prospects that could and deserve probably a dirty 35 spot. So it's super interesting. But, look, I think it's about time Haredia is uh, probably knocking on that double-A door. Uh, I'll do one more question over on YouTube. Sam Walbold says, Kyle, a certain national writer on Cerruti's pod inferred Walker as a below-average runner and potentially destined for first base. Is Walker sneaky athlete? Is it that easy to steal in double-A? No. Uh, look, um, I didn't hear who Look, I know who it was based on what you said. I did not hear the podcast so I'm not going to comment on that person's thoughts. I will say that one of, the, one of the most underrated aspects of what Jordan Walker provides is his running ability. He's a big boy for sure, uh, but he's a really good runner. He's a really good, really smart base runner, but he's definitely more athletic. And again, this person that we're talking about, I don't think he's underselling his athleticism. I think maybe he just got caught up a little bit. Again, I, I didn't listen to it, I can't say. But... uh There's definitely an underrated aspect to the athleticism that Jordan Walker brings. Um, And also maybe a little underrated to his instincts, he's a little underrated instinctually I think. Um, I also think that when you see a guy his size playing baseball you automatically kind of diminish his athleticism. Uh, So yeah I do, I think that calling him below average uh, runner is a very inaccurate statement. But uh, you know, again, again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick on Eric Longenhagen here either. Longenhagen did cr- great work. I did see that Longenhagen put a forty on um, Walker's hit tool and that's pretty inaccurate too. You know, I, I I would say right now he's more hit over power. And if you're gonna put a fifty on his power in game or whatever you put, then then he has to have at least a 50-hit tool. And if you put a 40 on his in-game power, then he has to probably have a 50-hit tool because his hit tool, at this point, is probably more advanced than his power tool is. He's not just muscling pitches. His swing is doing the work to put the ball on the opposite field. So uh, just a couple little underrated things about, about Jordan Walker from a guy who watches him pretty well every night. Uh, I'm going to try to get through some questions on Twitter real fast. Uh, uh, so... Uh Tate WC says, Who is your favorite under the radar prospect to watch in the Cardinals system? You know, I love watching Wilfredo Pereira pitch um out of out, when he starts for Peoria. He's just kind of a bulky guy who throws a lot of strikes and uh can get some strikeouts, but you know, I don't know, probably will never be anything more than organizational depth. I love watching him. You know, Todd Lott has had a really rough year, but that swing of his and the raw power that comes off of that swing and his athleticism, you know, it's been a really bad year for Todd Lott, but I love watching Todd Lott. Uh, From a pitching perspective, not under the radar, but, man, I love watching Gordon Graceffo pitch. Gordon Graceffo is so good. You know, I like watching Mike Brettel pitch. Mike Brettel isn't particularly good. He's, he's organizational depth, but he's he always comes in and has to eat up a bunch of innings for the Cardinals, and he just kind of goes up and throws, and he doesn't throw with a lot of frills. He just throws. Uh, I like watching Gian, uh, Gianluca Delatri throw. I think he has a really unique motion with some good stuff. Uh, Granillo is more high energy, but I like watching him throw. Uh, Edgar Escobar has a really weird pace to him. But, and I kind of like watching him throw. Logan is an exp- he has an explosive motion. He's kind of fun to watch. Uh, Angel Rondon, who is still kind of underrated, but also kind of overrated, mostly because of me. I still love watching Angel Rondon pitch, as frustrating as that can be. Uh, Grant Black, who just got promoted to AAA, he's a really fun reliever. I-, I-, I could almost see him filling a role that Drew Verhagen was supposed to fill for the Cardinals out of the bullpen, that he isn't um... yeah you know there there's a lot of guys that I like watching Nick Dunn who I find irritating but he just kinda like puts the bat on the ball and does whatever he has to do like he's an irritating player uh... who will never be more than organizational depth but I love watching him and again that's to call somebody organizational depth is not to like criticize them in any way that's a hell of an accomplishment like if you told me in three years Nick Dunn is at AAA and he's still doing awesome things for the Cardinals like that would be a valuable prospect that would be a valuable piece for an organization he told me he was coaching in like three years. That, I don't know if he's got that in him, but that he's a valuable player for an organization. So uh, yeah, like those are just a couple that come to my mind. I, I, love, I love John Veller. I've really, John Veller has made me a believer and I would tell people to keep an eye on him. Uh, the Blind Homer says, who in the system can be jettisoned that the system won't necessarily feel it? You know, uh, you always look at where they're deep at and I think one of the positions they're deep at is catcher. Um, so, one of the catchers, you know, um, well, I'll keep Kisner and Herrera out of it, but Pedro Pajes Julio Rodriguez, Aaron Antonini, uh, I don't know if he has any value, Nick Raposo would be the guy that I would trade if he does have value, uh, Carlos Soto, uh, you know, some of those guys maybe, you know, not big trade pieces, but pieces that could be interesting. Some of the relief pitching prospects that we've talked about, Laudis Delatry, um, Nathaniel Heredia, Tavares, like some of those guys I could see. Um, you know, starting pitching is a little tough because they really don't have a ton of starting pitching depth. I'd be really careful with that. I, I'd be really careful about pitching. You know, and then like we talked some of the outfielders, I, I think they're in kind of a position now where so many of these prospects have touched the major leagues. or are already feeling an important part of the major league apparatus that uh, they're in kind of a delicate position when it comes to trading prospects. Uh, I'm going to go through one more question here. On on Twitter, and then we're going to get to YouTube for a little bit. Uh, a heck, Ross says, could the Cardinals possibly bring up Gordon Grissepo from Double A to the MLB this year? Yeah, look, I could also see them getting him to Triple A at some point this year. Uh, you know, Malcolm Nunez is another prospect. Getting to that last question, that you could almost see the Cardinals trading and not really feeling uh, the the impact of him being traded, even if though he would go to some team and hit like a king, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, like getting back to Griseppo, I'd like to see him get some time in AAA before that happens. But uh, look, I tonight Graceffo did not have his command. And he was getting hit, and I do think he tips his pitches sometimes. I can't pick it up, but I do think he tips his fastball because his fastball is electric, and it's electric up in the zone and in the eyes. And there are times... When hitters are on it, maybe they're just hunting it, uh, uh, and and that's why they're. And, and when I say on it, I mean they get a piece of it. They're hardly ever on it, um, so it's uh it, it's something to keep an eye on there. But uh, tonight he didn't necessarily have his best his best stuff. And when I turned the game off in the fifth, he was still pitching really well. So uh, look, he's he's a special talent. And I like I told BK and Ferrario today uh, on their program on one hundred and one. I wouldn't be surprised if he made it to the majors, if the Cardinals were aggressive with him, because he's going to be in the majors next year one way or the other if he's healthy. And it's all about health, it's all about, it's all about how he's feeling, it's all about fatigue, it's all about the measurables and how the measurables continue to measure out. But I think if he were to take the jump from double A to, tr- to Memphis, or double A to the majors, or Memphis to the majors after a d- promotion, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it pretty well regardless. Uh, when do the Cardinals trade Burleson? Says Graham. Graham, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm going to say, Sam Wobble says, I don't understand the difference between GP's opinion and most that are closer to the Cardinals organization. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what that means. Uh, NY says, Do you see Polante as an SP or an RP? If he's an SP, is he a top of the rotation guy? Look, up. Uh, I don't view him as a top of the rotation guy. Look, those guys are—they don't grow on trees. You know what you're hoping for out of uh, Andre Pellante is that he throws enough strikes and gets enough grounders that he can fill, you know, 160 innings to 180 innings. At that point, he's a middle of the rotation guy. Uh, I, I think he's probably a back of the rotation guy. Maybe, maybe things go really well for him and he becomes a Cardinals version of Kyle Loesch. something like that. Like I could see that. Um, so yeah, maybe a number three, maybe a guy who flirts with Saeed. Uh, No, I'm not going to say that. That's not going to happen. But his fastball, when he has velocities up, and the way that the slider and the curveball play off of it, and we can incorporate that change a little bit, as long as he's using all of his pitches, I think he's going to be a starting pitching prospect, uh, a starting pitching option for for a handful of years with health. Um, The question is, is he better suited as a starter or a reliever? Uh, I, I like to have innings filled, so... I think he can be either. I think he's valuable as either. And I'm anxious to see how long he has a run as a starting pitcher. And hopefully you can make the best out of it. Back over on YouTube, Connor Wehrman says, I know you picked a lot in the Prospect Live mock, but I was wondering what pitchers you like that might be available for the Cardinals in the first round pick. You know, I do like all of those injured pitchers to to a lesser degree. Like, I like Landon Sims to a lesser degree. I like Connor Prelup uh, to a lesser degree. Um, You know, I I like Campbell from Oklahoma State. He's probably my favorite pitcher that's projected to go in that round. I just think he has really good command and really good stuff and a really good body for pitching. Um, You know, I I think, uh, I'll be honest, like, over the last year I've become less and less hot on the idea of drafting, starting, pitching early. I think that the Cardinals... I've had a lot of success drafting starting pitching late, or just pitching late, and I think that that's worked out really well, identifying your guys and getting the most out of them, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like, those, those are just some of the names that come to my mind, I, you know, I don't particularly like Blade Tidwell as much as everyone else, uh, I hate to be that way, I just don't, uh, I like some of the, um, you know, not college pitching, but I like some of the prep arms, I like some of the prep lefties, um, I, I don't think you know. I don't think Lesko makes it to the Cardinals. I, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm in the minority. Like I like Jackson Ferris more than most. Noah Schultz, I like. There's some rumors that he might uh, 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 go to college uh, if the bonus pool isn't right or whatever. Um, those are just some of the names that come to my mind. I, I, look, the Cardinals, the Cardinals are going to be an interesting spot in 22 with the 22nd pick. Uh, hopefully, some of the the teams ahead of them draft some of those injured pitchers, those pitchers with injuries. I, I think that would be the best-case scenario for the St. those Cardinals, but we're going to have to wait and see. The VHS says, Kyle, over on YouTube, can you contrast Graceffo and McGreevy? I feel like a lot of people put them on the same level, but I have my doubts about the similarities. Yeah, they're, they're two different pitchers. Like, McGreevy's command isn't any, or uh, M- McGreevy. <sighs> Let me get a drink real fast. I haven't drank, I've got all this booze. It's an okay beer. Real fast, the modern After Dark is okay. It's not bold enough. It's not flavorful enough for its title, uh, but it's an okay beer. Check it out. Uh, sponsor me, modern you jackasses. McGreevy's command is on a whole different level, right? McGreevy's command is what's going to carry him. Uh, his 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 sinker and his changeup work really well together, uh, uh, and his his four seam is okay. It usually helps his slider and curve, and that's one thing, five pitches right there, but uh, it's all about how he's using his stuff, like, McGreevy has the same concerns, in my opinion, that I have with Libertor, uh, obviously in my opinion, uh, where I'm most worried about his fastballs, and how his fastballs work, I think he has good arm run with the sinker, and I think that that works with the changeup, like I said, but I think that he's going to get by on command more than anything, you know, uh, I think he's what we all hope Dakota Hudson was, you know, I think he's going to get grounders I think, uh, I I just I don't necessarily think he's like a front of the rotation. He doesn't have that like big, loud arm. I do think he can still grow into it. He's only 21, and with a little bit of time in a lab, uh, maybe he can get to 96 consistently. Uh, and maybe he can, he can, you know, get a little bit more life on that four seam. Uh, what really interests me about him is his curveball was his best pitch, uh, his best breaking pitch entering the draft. And it does not look like it's his best pitch at Double A in particular. That, that seems to me, and I don't have the numbers, but it seems to me like that's getting hit around. So what I will say is, McGrady is more of that like typical Cardinal pick that you could uh, that you could see making it to the majors relatively quick based solely on command. Now what Gordon Grisepo is is again I it's so we live in such a different world than when I first started this. Right, uh, I loved Ryan Helsley. And if Ryan Helsley were a prospect now, he would be talked about as maybe the Cardinals' best arm. And I tried telling people that he was the Cardinals' best arm. And everyone else, like, and that's, that's the kind of level, that's the kind of arm that Gordon Graceffo is. He doesn't have the, the spin fastball that Helsley has. He has the, 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 the gas to it. But for years, I've been trying to tell people that Ryan Helsley's curveball and his changeup are underrated. He doesn't get to throw them enough. Um, when he's healthy, he could be dynamic. He could have been a dynamic starting pitcher, and that's how I feel about Gordon Grisepo. I worry that Grisepo is going to shoehorn himself into a long-term bullpen role, and hopefully that's not the case. But that is a dynamic arm. He does not have the command of McGreevy because really, there aren't a lot of guys who have the command of McGreevy of his entire arsenal. Uh, sometimes he, sometimes Grisepo will hang a curveball, and the curveball has gotten really filthy. And while it was maybe a step behind some of his other stuff at Double A, it looks like it's taking that next step. Uh, and so. With, with what I view as a plus fastball, uh, above-average fast, uh, curveball, uh, an average to above-average slider, and a changeup that is above average and could be more. He's a four-pitch pitcher, If given the chance, needs to continue to develop those pitches, but could be a complete monster out of a rotation. Like uh, Again, think about it this way. Um, think of Graceffo more along the lines... Of a high octane potential starting pitcher and McGreevy along the lines of a command starting pitcher. Uh, uh, one's going to be able to get away with more than the other, um, and uh, you know they're both they're both going to be starters. They both have the potential to be starters. It's just a matter of how long they're going to get those opportunities and and you know when it all manifests. Gifts says thirty second train of thought on Malcolm Nunez. Uh, He's a really weird player to watch. His feet are kind of choppy, and I, I don't understand how he runs sometimes. He's also kind of a weird infielder, but you know what? What he possesses is elite hand-to-eye coordination, and I know that because I've watched him hit, uh, and I've watched him scoop balls at first base. Uh, it's really awkward a lot of the time, but, uh, you know, he's he's just a pure hitter. Some guys can hit. You know, we said it in his dirty... Oh, oh uh, VHS says drink. Sorry, I saw that pop up. Drink. We, uh... We saw some people, oh, some guys can just hit, and we wrote that in his dirty write-up, uh, Malcolm Nunez, and he just has that innate, innate, uh, innate ability to hit. Some guys just have it, he's one of those guys who has it, and it's pretty cool to watch. Um, the question is, is he a man without a position? And I think he is. I don't think he's a particularly good corner infielder. I think you have to bury him in left, which makes him kind of Marcelo Zuna without really the manifested power. But you can see him growing to that power. Uh, so, yeah, look, that's Malcolm Nunez in 30 seconds. I hope that was 30 seconds. I clearly have no idea. Now, uh, before we get back to uh, YouTube, I'm going to spend some time over on Twitter. Uh, underscore shoot says, Junior Fernandez versus Johan Ovieda. Uh, Oviedo, who has the better shot of sticking in the bullpen and being good? Man, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's a tied-for-first situation. I don't even know what to say. I will say that I've been more impressed with Junior Fernandez than maybe I thought I would be this year. I think that... Uh, I think that... I'd like them both... Honestly, I like them both about the same. I think they both can play a very valuable role for the Cardinals down, down the line. I think you know when... What's really unique about both of them, I think you know when they don't have it. And sure, like, tonight Oviedo let up a home run, that's whatever. He's going to let up home runs. Uh, and probably Junior will, too. But I think that you know when they don't have it, and when they have it, they can both be special. So to be honest with you, they're both kind of on the level for me. I think what Oviedo presents is a couple extra innings, uh, uh, maybe a multi-inning relief situation that Junior doesn't, and I think that gives him more staying power. And I think that that, that alone uh, it might be that what gives him a heads-up, in the gives him... A leg up in the situation, but uh, I think they both can be equally as good, and I think both of them could be honestly like solid bullpen additions. I don't think either of them are going to be like lights out pieces this year. Uh, I could see a situation where down the line, Johan Oviedo is similar, and we've been talking about this for months now to Hennessy Cabrera from the right hand right hand side. But it's just a matter of uh, um, it's just a matter of getting to it, right? It's just a matter of him getting experience, getting used to the role, and hopefully uh, um, growing into it. Fuzzle Light over on Twitter says, what you got on Pacheco? Now, Freddy Pacheco, uh, he's taken some steps back, but he's done it in a way to like, so he had huge velocity, right? Like 100 mile an hour velocity. And now we're seeing him have uh, something similar to 96, 97 velocity, but he's really harnesses command a little bit. And he has a really great slider that measures out. Uh, actually, I'm going to—I'm actually going to pull up the numbers. You guys know me; I hardly ever pull up the numbers, but I'm going to pull up the numbers uh, right now. Why aren't you doing this? Oh, come on, man. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's not working. Sorry, but yeah, look—he has a slider that matches. He's a—he's a, he's a fastball-slider um, relief pitcher whose fastball can get kind of flat, and that gets him in trouble. His command can get him in trouble too. But he's also kind of along those lines of junior and. Oviedo, to a lesser degree, where uh, uh, he's could eventually make a major league impact at some point. Probably a major league debut for sure, uh, especially if he can continue to get up in the high nineties. Like that's the key for him. His fastball is flat, and that kind of hurts him. But it's so, so, so aggressive out of out of his hand that uh, it, it really, it really benefits him in the long run. Let me see if I can find this stupid thing. Uh hold on. I'm sorry about this. You guys know I hate doing this. I usually like stream of consciousness, uh, uh, because I think that's more raw and I think that that suits people better. But like, you know, uh, his, his oh boy, come on, Kyle, you moron. You know, his fastball has 2,500 RPMs. His slider is 2,500 RPMs, 24 to 2,500 RPMs on both pitches. Like that's, that's Freddie Pacheco. You know, it's relatively straight fastball, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's Freddy Pacheco, you know, uh, some command issues, some good stuff, and it's a lot of back and forth there. I am going to try to take a second to get caught up a little bit over on YouTube. Uh, NY says, do you think the Cardinals are having issues developing pitching in the minor leagues? Should they modify their pitching department to be more analytical and data-friendly? If they aren't already, no, they're very analytical and they're very data-friendly. Uh, they're trying, so uh, this is this is where it gets tough, Right. Because what we know is we have data that shows that the Cardinals are on the bottom end of major league organizations in the measurables, uh, you know, uh, in the measurables. But what we also know is that the Cardinals have targeted specific types of pitchers. Uh, the market efficiencies, they, they've targeted certain types of pitchers to get the most uh, out of the efficiency, right? Uh, to try to put it as delicately as possible. While things haven't necessarily panned out for them, you know, I'll, I'll remind everybody that in the last couple of years, you know, they've also dealt with a lot of injuries from starting pitchers, and that's just the nature of the beast uh, from players that they've drafted. Uh, they do have issues developing pitchers, specifically from foreign countries. Uh, that might be an identification, a talent identification issue. But I think you know, think about what the Cardinals have done this year: Zach Thompson, Andre Pallante, Connor Thomas, who got rocked tonight. Who might, uh, you know, the fifth-round draft pick, who might end up making a major league impact. Gordon Graceffo, Michael McGreevy, uh, you know, again, Andres Granillo, who will eventually work his way. Ryan Laudis, like, the Cardinals are still developing pitching. They are. It's just they're not developing it the way that they used to, and uh, uh, which they used to do it way better, or not way better, but they used to do it just as well, if not better, than everyone else. Uh, but they've kind of progressed back to right above the middle of the pack, and that's still acceptable. I just think they need to continue to identify the pitchers that fit in their system, continue to practically apply the data that they have to get the most out of those pitchers. Uh, but I think what you're going to see, again, with, with some of these undrafted players, some of the players have been drafted since 2019 specifically, uh, and also Bedell Gehuthi, uh, uh Griffin Roberts, who's getting some of his velocity back. Uh, getting some of his command back. And he's probably been hurt for years and just hasn't really said anything. Um, seeing him get back to normal, I think that that could really erase some of that narrative about the starting pitching not being up to snuff. And then, you know, that says nothing for coming off of what happened in 2020 with the lost season. And every every team's dealing with that, I know. But, uh, you know, every player deals with it differently. Um, Connor Wehrman says over on YouTube, I remember... There being some talk about Jan Torres potentially being a breakout candidate a couple years. What are your thoughts about him and his development so far? It's been disappointing. Look, I was definitely one of those people who was steering the Jan Torres bandwagon. I, I love Jan Torres. Like, uh, uh, You could see all of the skills. Like, He had it. He had defense. He had a great arm. He had speed. Uh, he had a hit tool. His, his leg kick was always the issue. Uh, you know, his, his timing mechanism. But it, you never really were that concerned about it, right? Like, you never thought that it would be the difference maker. And it isn't the difference maker. What's hurt him, you know, he had a really odd year last year. There were times when he was really good. Uh, he started getting hot, and then he went for like an 0 for 12 slump. That completely wrecked him as he tried to make a bunch of adjustments here and there. And then he was hurt to start the year. And then he hasn't really gotten off to a good start with Palm Beach. He's still trying to work through some of the kinks there. Um, he's still really young, though. He's either in his age 22 season or he'll turn 23 at some point during this year. I can't remember the specifics about it. But um, he's also not the kind of prospect you give up on yet. Sure, it's been disappointing up until now, but he's not the kind of prospect you give up on. Um, you know, next year could be a breakout. The end of this year could be a breakout. He could also not be in the organization next year. We're going to have to wait and see. But yeah, it's, it's definitely been disappointing. He's definitely underachieved, and he's definitely capable of more than what we are seeing right now. Uh, well, we're going to go over to YouTube for a second, or uh, over to, uh, sorry about that, YouTube. We're going to go over to Twitter for a second. See Hoppy4 says, is Alec Willis injured, or is he just not being used for now? Uh, he looks like he has a lot of potential. Look, Alec Willis has a ton of potential, uh, uh and he's dealing with a little something now. Again, like, the injury stuff isn't for me to talk about. I, I, injury, or why a guy's sitting, like... Unless it's been reported by a legit journal or that player has tweeted out a pick or something like that, like it's not for me to say. I'm going to stay out of it. There is injury history with Alec Willis, and he isn't really pitching right now. Uh, But uh, uh, the 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 key here is for the kid who is still 19 years old, out of the you know out of Denver, out of the Colorado area, uh, out of Colorado. I don't remember what area in Colorado because I'm blanking right now because I'm a fucking moron. But um, he's still learning. He's still adjusting. Uh, and uh, you know, just like with with Tinkents last year, when people would ask about Tinkents, and we played kind of kind of dodgy. Um Give him some time. Let him grow into it a little bit and uh, kind of hope for the mo the best. Remember, that's a seventh-round pick that the Cardinals gave a million dollars to. Even if he, honestly, this is just me, based on that potential, even if he doesn't manifest, even if he's injured and he never pans out, like, that's still the right move to make. It's still the right thing to do. Uh, over on Twitter for whoa, two more questions, uh, Caleb Noble says, what do you think is the reason for Win's uptick in power at AA and downtick in VA BA on-base percentage? Look, he's made a bunch of swing adjustments. Uh, I think his... His approach has changed. Um, I think that uh, I think that we're also talking about a very small sample. We also know that the Texas League in general uh, produces more power. You know, keep in mind that some of his uh, his power is also an inside the park home run. But uh, I think that just honestly, like I think the nature of being at Double A in the Texas League, uh, also a small sample, and, and also. Mason Wynn's natural development, along with his, the work that he's put in, is part of the reason why we're seeing an uptick in some of the slugging stats, for sure. Torts Illustrated says, quit teasing us. Give us upcoming draft thoughts. Uh, my upcoming draft thoughts are, look, I, I love what the St. Louis Cardinals have done for many, many years now. I'm anxious to see what they do at 22nd overall. Um, I hope that they pick somebody that fits the mold of the players that they've picked in recent years. And you can take that for whatever it is. Uh, for me, uh, again, I'm, I'm no one. I don't know anything. Uh, uh, but, like, I picked Chase DeLautner because I love the power. I think he's undervalued. I love the athleticism that comes with it when I did the Prospect Live mock draft. And, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, you need to go back. You need to rewatch the Prospect Live mock draft that we did on Wednesday night. Uh, uh, I don't remember where I drafted, hour-wise, but I drafted 22nd for the Cardinals. I was almost completely naked and everything but underwear and a Santa cap. And, uh, you know, it's disgusting. But it was also a fun exercise that you'll learn a lot about every one of these prospects, every one of these draft prospects. So check that out. Honestly, that is a vital resource for everyone to check out if they haven't. But uh, that's my thought. Look, I I would not get excited about players who made their names in the College World Series or the Road to Omaha. like. That does nothing for me. I, I want I want steady. I want consistency for a pitcher. Like honestly, I was critical of the McGreevy pick, and I'm still kind of critical. You know, I like Ty Madden. Uh, I like Ryan Kusick. I I overvalued Ryan Kusick personally. I I still like Kusick, but whatever. Uh, but I've learned from that, and I do believe that the Cardinals would do well to draft a pitcher that commands the ball really well. If they draft a pitcher, um, I'm always leery of 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 high school arms. You know, uh. Uh, Cardinals have had mixed results. Flaherty, Woodford—they they both panned out pretty well, relatively speaking, especially for prep arms. Uh, but I would like something a little bit more of a sure thing, and and from a, of a hitting prospect, I I want to see power and I want to see athleticism. Like that's those are my thoughts about the Cardinals draft pick. Like that's what I want to see, and that's something that's changed for me over the years too. Like uh, you know, I wanted the Cardinals to draft Matt McClain. I wanted them to draft Pete Crow Armstrong, and while those guys might have, uh. uh you know, when I say I wanted him to draft Pete Crow Armstrong, he was not the top of my list. There were other guys that I liked more than that. But, like, I would have loved that. And now, like, even though Pete Crow Armstrong is having a good turn, and, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're you know, same thing with Matt McLean, like, I want more. Like, I want the potential for more. Uh, really what we'll see out of the Cardinals the 22nd is they're going to draft the best that they can with the pool that they have at that pick. And that is ideal for a fan base. Uh, even if it's not necessarily the player that you want them to be. Uh, Graham over on Twitter says, What do you think Matt Pierce is up to right now? Uh, Hopefully, uh, uh, wrist deep and like three ladies or two dudes or three dudes, whatever he wants, I mean, to each their own. Uh, VHS says, Drink. I know that that's in response to something else, but I'm going to drink to you, VHS. Thank you very much for reminding me. Uh, Kareem over on YouTube says, Hey, Kyle, do you think Graceffo has strikeout upside? His pitch data wasn't anything special last year, but he's had a noticeable velo jump. I don't know if Grisepo has frontline stuff if he can't get the whips, and you know that's a totally fair point, Kareem. You know uh, strikeouts is something we always associate with the front of the line. Uh, I will say that it's all about effectiveness, right? Like he can't be an elite starter. He's not going to be an ace without strikeouts. That those are one and the same. Uh, but. I think when we talk about front line, it's more about effectiveness, and I think Receppo can be effective. You know, like Miles Michaelis isn't a big strikeout guy, but he's pitching like a front of the line starter. Um, yeah, again, it's more rare, and you want the strikeouts. But I do, I do think his stuff is good. I, I you know, what you, I let me ask you this, Kareem. Do you think that a starter can be frontline and strike out twenty five percent of hitters? Because I do. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be. I think his arm is elite. I think he has an elite arm because of that velocity, because of the way he commands that velocity. But I don't necessarily think that it it stops him. Uh, You know, maybe you know, because he's striking out like twenty eight percent of people this season, right, down at the minors. Um, And you know, lately, like tonight, he only struck out like two through four innings. He was really struggling with his command. Um, Although that curveball is becoming a strikeout pitch, and that's something worth keeping an eye on. I think that I don't think that they're mutually exclusive. I think that he can get away with striking out if he can get that t- again, twenty-four to twenty-seven. I think he can be, you know, a, a solid front of the rotation with middle of the rotation type starting pitcher. Uh, I don't. Again, he's he's not going to be an ace. Those guys don't grow on trees. He's not going to be like a number one. Uh, those guys don't grow on trees. But he's going to be. He has the potential to be a guy who can get to one hundred and eighty innings these days and have, you know a sub 3.5 FIP, you know, like live in the three point, not live, that's not fair either because that's really tough to do, but be a, you know, three, three, two to three, five FIP guy, which, you know, with an ERA, is that's whatever, probably lower than that. Like, yeah, I do. I, I think that, uh, I think he can be. I, I think he needs to continue to refine his, his, his slider and his changeup and specifically pitch a little bit more effectively uh, uh, to to big swinging lefties, but I don't think that that's really hurt him just yet. Uh, again, a, a great question though, Kareem, for real. Uh, I'm going to stick with YouTube for a second. Shep3 says Does Jordan Walker have a chance to make it to AAA this season? Yeah, uh, Shep3, I need some water. Hold on, I'm sorry. One of the things we've talked about a lot is the, you know, Jordan Walker is younger by a handful of months than Dylan Carlson, but if you go back to 2019, Uh, There's a reason to think that both being in their age-20 season, as it were, that there's a situation in which Jordan Walker could find his way (coughs) pardon me, to AAA uh, in August, similar to how Dylan Carlson did in 2019. Uh, I'm going to be really quick with that question and leave it there uh, so that I can move on. But yeah, look, I think that there's a chance that it happens. There's uh, uh, no doubt about it. Um, Over on Twitter, CardinalFan022 says, Brighter future, Walker or Win." Uh two different futures, you know, here's the thing, like, Jordan is gonna be around for a long time, uh, because of his hit tool, and Mason Wynn's gonna be around probably a long time because of every other thing he does, you know, he's a really good defensive shortstop, he still has some things to work on, uh, but he's a really good defensive shortstop with an elite arm, and, uh, you know, probably 60 grade speed at least, and 70 when he's up to speed, um... Those are things that are going to keep him in the league for for quite some time. The truth is Jordan Walker is an elite talent. Um, He is an elite prospect. Uh, Wynn has elite athleticism, and he's something special and something different than the Cardinals organization usually has to wax poetic on. Uh, But Jordan Walker is on a whole different level. He just is. And, uh, you know, I think about this a lot if i'm if i 'm giving advice to Cardinal fans about what to expect out of Jordan Walker, like the guys that I point to are Derek Lee, uh, Paul Conurco and if that doesn 't make you happy, if you think that's a big disappointment, then you 're a fucking idiot because uh, to me that 's the kind of player that Jordan Walker is going to be. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a first baseman, at least not at first. I think he's a corner outfielder like I have advocated for. He's athletic enough to play center field. He has instincts to play center field with enough reps. You know, there's this thing that people keep asking me about his size. Are you sure he can play the center field? And he's six foot a million, and he's big, and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, every night during, during the NBA season, you see guys run up and down the court who are bigger than him Uh, And there's no issue. You see wide receivers in the NFL uh, beat cornerbacks to a spot. Um, You you know, tight ends, too. Every other sport has this guy playing premier positions and demonstrating their athleticism on a regular basis. There's no reason to think Jordan Walker couldn't do it. The only thing that might put him in a... Like, so let's give it a try. Let's see what happens. Push him a little bit. You know, fuck it. Who cares? Like, let's get aggressive. Let's have some fun with it. Um, And if it doesn't work out, you know what? You can always put him in a corner. No big deal. No harm done. Uh, That's, you know, I say no harm done, but that's why I'm also on board for keeping him at third base as long as possible, too, specifically through the 2022 season. Let him work out some of those kinks at the plate that he has. Uh, You know, swinging over the top of big, looping, breaking pitches. Still having trouble with low pitches, especially change-ups low and in. Like, um, those are still things that he needs to work on that hopefully he continues to work on. I think I'll go over to um, uh, uh, that uh, that YouTube for a second. What are your thoughts on bringing someone in like Albert to overhaul the pitching department? I wish someone like Kyle Bodie of uh, Driveline would be interesting or thought of. Uh, well, they have that. You know, it's it's not – so Tim Levesque is the pitching coordinator, and he's doing a great job. Look, I think, I think we need to step back a little bit. Um, Again, I would like for the Cardinals pitching depth to be a little bit thicker um, at the minor league level for sure. But let's not lose our mind. And, you know, Kyle Bode's fantastic and he's a great Twitter following and he did some great stuff for some pitchers in the Reds organization. But, uh, you know, I don't care. You know, like, let's just take a step back. Remember, the Cardinals have a hitting lab and a pitching lab that they've hardly been able to employ. They're getting some great results. Uh, It's just not as loud as what we've seen in the recent past. And I think that that freaks Cardinal fans out, and of course it limits their ability to supplement the major league staff, which is also a big deal. But just give it some time, like. And I know it's hard to do, but just give it a year and let's reevaluate. Let's see where some of these kids, uh, the health of some of these kids are, and some of the 2019, and you know, see if Levi, Levi Prater can make some stuff forward. But you know, they've made they've done some really good stuff with some of the arms they drafted in recent years. Just one step at a time, right? One step at a time. Over on YouTube. Uh, VA- oh, son of a bitch. VHS says, How does Inohan Paniagua uh, strike so many guys out? Sounds like his velocity is closer to Buenos than Grisepo. It's command, right? out. Uh, this is what we saw on Angel Rondon many, many years ago. It's command. You know, at the low A level, if you can get away with some stuff, if you can command your pitches, you're going to get a bunch of strikeouts. But it also goes to show you uh, that velocity isn't always everything. You know, he has good movement. He has uh, he has good you know a uh, good movement good spin on a lot of his pitches uh, you know the data is kind of weird especially but the good news is we can uh 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 uh, uh <laughs> sorry i've got a dm uh, yeah so anyways the, the you know spin's good everything kind of checks out we have baseball savant that we can use to to grade out inohan Paniagua. uh it's not like great spin but it's it's average but it's command which is really taking a couple steps forward from what we saw out of last year, uh, is part of the reason why. You know, uh, you don't always need velocity. It's just movement. And he also throws a bit of deception, and I think that helps too. Uh, back over on Twitter, shoots says, How cool was it to watch Sandy against us the other night? Did you ever think he'd be this good? No, no, I did not. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember when the Cardinals traded uh, Gallon and Alcantara. And uh, uh, Castano and Sierra. I always thought Galen would be the best of the group. I was that was the guy that I was always the most disappointed with. I remember watching Sandy at Springfield that year, uh, before he was traded, and being like, Yeah, this is just kind of a guy. Like, you see the velocity, but he doesn't have the command, his mechanics are kind of out of whack. He's felt, he needs to add muscle. Uh, so to see him do what he's done, I, has been huge and it's been awesome. And yeah, he's fun to watch, like. If you can put your card enough, we as fans can put our rose-colored glasses aside. Uh, it's it's a really awesome thing to watch him pitch. He's he's dynamic and good for him, you know. Good for uh, good for Sandy Alcantara. Over on Twitter, M D M M D E Margle One says, "Oh boy, Keith Law talked Mike Trout to the Cardinals today. What would we have to give up prospect-wise?" Uh, You know, I don't know what the Angels would want, right? Like, what do the Angels value? It seems like lately they've been going after drafting college-ready starting pitching. Uh, They they drafted Will Wilson and then traded him. Uh, You know, my guess is for the best player in baseball, you'd probably, you know, best player in baseball, keep that in mind. I know things have changed over the years. But for that that dynamic of a player, you know, it's not, unless they're trying to unload salary, um, it's not going to come at a discount like they got Arenado or Goldschmidt for. It's going to be something more than that. It's going to be something substantial. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine Jordan Walker would have to be a part of that. Or Nor- you know, probably Nolan Gorman. Probably talking about Nolan Gorman and Matthew Libertor, or Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, or uh, you know, and maybe even just to start—not even maybe, definitely just to start—that would be my my guess. But I have no idea, uh, and more importantly, it doesn't matter because unless the Angels are trying to unload payroll, it's not going to happen. And it doesn't matter because even then, the Cardinals have a lot of money tied up in Nolan Arenado now, and they, unless you know Arenado opts out, which probably won't happen, I wouldn't think, uh, and also. Some of their internal options are going to get paid a little bit more. And also Goldie for a couple of years. Uh, and also Michaelis for a couple more years. Like, I cannot imagine a situation in which that actually happens. It might. It could be wrong. It'd be hefty, and I just can't imagine it happening. But it's something fun. I will say that, and again, I'm, like, I'm getting secondhand information here. Uh, in our DMs, Ben Cerruti told me that he was talking about a handful of teams that could, that could pull it off. And my, my counter-argument is every team could pull it off. Every team. Sure, maybe maybe the top five gro- the bottom five grocers in baseball with that counter, that have like a Venn diagram with the five worst farm systems might not be able to pull it off. But everybody else can. You can, you just have to have the stomach to do it. So to say they can... Uh, yeah, uh, it doesn't mean shit to me, really, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, one more over on Twitter. Uh, what is your best guess for MLB ETA for Mason Wynn? I'll say 2024. I don't think he'll be ready next year. I think he's probably going to struggle a little bit here and there. But yeah, I'll say 2024 for Mason Wynn. I'm going to go back over to uh, to YouTube for a second. Connor Wehrman says, he's obviously not a prospect anymore, but I've been seeing some takes about trading O'Neill for starting pitching now that Donovan has emerged. What are your thoughts, assuming it would be a fair trade? I, my thought is I would not trade Right now would be the dumbest time in the history of the world to trade Tyler O'Neal. We also have seen how dynamic the difference in the offense when Tyler O'Neal is hitting. You know, people who are saying that are thinking about the guy who got off to such a shitty start to start the 2022 season. They're not talking about the guy who came off the IL and was raking again. Uh, if I'm trading Tyler O'Neill, I'm not trading it for anything other than a guy who is a proven strikeout, to Creams point. Front of, the, front of the rotation starter, not with the control you have, not with his, uh, his defensive ability, his base running ability, uh, even with the strikeouts, like, I don't care, like, uh, Tyler O'Neal, trading Tyler O'Neal, a guy who just got a bunch of MVP votes, who finished in the top 10 in MVP voting, isn't going to do your team any good in the long run. You know, I would argue that even though he struggles hitting from the left side, that, that doesn't do you any good for Dylan Carlson either. You know, uh, you probably have to trade from your farm. And I, you know, right now is not the time to trade Tyler O'Neill. Maybe in the offseason, you know, maybe last offseason would have been the time to trade him when his, when his value is high. But you can't do that because he's so integral to your, to your uh, lineup. And also, Brendan Donovan isn't a left fielder. You know, uh, and Alec Burleson might be a left fielder who can hit pretty well. But I don't know. Like, that's just not something that I feel comfortable doing at this point. Uh, I think it's important to get him healthy and get him in the lineup. Uh, I think he's more valuable to the Cardinals than what his return might be, honestly. Um, but I guess it just depends on the market. Connor then asks, I also agree with VHS. In know hand, Paniagua is on my radar just because I love saying his name. Yeah, you know, Paniagua was a member of the Dirty Flirty, albeit like 37th last year. Over on Twitter, the Blind Homer says, strikeouts are fascist. Uh, he also says, I want innings. I don't care about how a starter gets them. See, Wainwright, Adam. Yeah, I want innings, but I want them to be effective. You know, I think about how laborious and tiring the innings that Dakota Hudson gets. Like, I I don't necessarily think that you need to have a ton of strikeouts, like a 30% strikeout rate to be a top-of-the-rotation starter. And I also think that that's a really unique thing that not a lot of guys are, right? It's it's hard to get a top-of-the-rotation starter. I just think you need to be effective. You need to know how to pitch. Uh, and to your point about Adam Wainwright there. Uh, I'm going to go back over to YouTube. He, NY asks... Do you see Donovan being an everyday starter, or do you think he's more of a platoon type guy? Uh, I think that we've seen Brendan Donovan kind of tire out a little bit. But yeah, look, I've always, I've always thought since not always since 2019, I've always kind of viewed Brendan Donovan as a starter. I view him as a second base starter. I think moving him, moving him around while it increases his value and his importance to the club and his ability to get in the lineup. I think his best value is at second base, um, which you know probably isn't going to happen now with Nolan Gorman and uh, with, uh, Tommy Edman there. But, uh, yeah, look, if he's going to be an outfielder, no, he's not an everyday player. If he can play multiple positions every day, then yeah, he is. If he's in the infield, then yeah, he is. Uh, I maintain that what Brendan Donovan can do is more valuable to the... on an everyday... What Brendan Donovan can do at the plate is more valuable in the immediate future to uh, the Cardinals than what Tommy Edmond can do at the plate specifically. Now, what Edmond does at short's a whole different story. Uh, I think you might even be able to argue that Donovan's full package... Uh, at this point, is probably more valuable than Nolan Gorman's, but I'm going to stay out of that conversation uh, just for now. Um, but yeah, look, I think he can. I think he can be both. I think he could be an everyday starter for a couple of years, and I also think uh, uh, that he could also be a great bench guy who's starting, you know, five to seven times a, a week if, if handled properly. Um, I, yeah, that, my thoughts. Lookout Fout says, Kyle, I'm watching a new hope and Pat simultaneously. Is Jordan Walker the chosen one? No, no, I don't, man, I don't think so. I think he's going to be a really great player. Uh, and he's as good of a prospect as you could possibly hope for. Um, but, uh, you know, is he going to bring balance to the force? Uh, man, I don't know about that. That seems like a hefty thing. Uh, uh, we already had that question. Over on YouTube, Aaron, hey, Aaron Johnson, what's up? Says, I'm sad that they're giving up on Hicks as a starter. Do you think it went so poorly? Look, there were, uh, it, was, it was mixed, right? So first off, before we get into that, I'm going to raise my glass to the Hicks family. Again, I have no idea who's in here and who isn't in here unless you ask a question. To the Hicks family, I raise my glass. I love you guys. Uh, Mr. Jason Hicks, Jordan, Jennifer, uh, we love you guys. You're the best. Um, but yeah, look, uh, he had mixed results. And he had some laborious innings. And it was kind of frustrating at times. So I'm, again, I feel the same way kind of about pools here. I'm kind of in the middle. Like, the Cardinals have a pressing need for both starting pitching and relief, it feels like right now. And it didn't go 100% great. Uh, It didn't go ideally to get Jordan Hicks up to snuff. I still, and maybe I'm I'm being homeristic here, maybe I'm showing my bias, Uh, but I still don't think it's worth fully giving up. Uh, I think he would have done well to have an actual lead-in, as we all think. I think he'd do well to go down to Memphis and stretch out a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say it went poorly. I know fans were frustrated. It didn't go ideally. I wouldn't say it went poorly. I wouldn't say it went great. I wouldn't say it went awful. Uh, It didn't go as planned. Um, And I'm just anxious to get him back up to the majors, where hopefully he's as effective as he was before he started dealing with arm injuries. Uh, Victoria says, why does Donovan's helmet always fly off his head? It's because of that flow, yo. It's because of that flow, yo. There's no other answer, and uh, I'm probably uh, I'm probably going to leave it at that. You know, uh, maybe he dislikes a really loose helmet. Who doesn't like a loose-fitted helmet? Uh, you know, I know I like my helmet loose-fitted. Uh, Fuzzy Light, Light says, was Tommy Edmund ever this?' susceptible to low and in breaking and off-speed pitches in the minors. You know, Fuzzle Light, I'm not even going to lie. I don't even know. I don't remember. I remember him defensively. Uh, I remember early on, you know, he was kind of pushed back when Palm Beach was high A. He was kind of aggressively pushed from Palm Beach to Springfield, and he wasn't ready for it. And I remember him struggling with a lot, Uh, you know, just not being ready for that. It was a tough assignment for where he was at. And then from there, he kind of was like quickly in the major leagues within like a year so I don't fully remember I remember just thinking when he first got to Springfield that he wasn't ready for it uh, and that uh, he needed more time to develop and I'm sorry for for such a shitty answer to the question Puzzle Light Uh, over on YouTube uh, NY says, do you agree with the assessment that DC is a limited potential player and was overrated as a prospect? No, I don't. So here's the thing, like, oh, God. So this is where it gets really fun with prospects, right? We talk about this all the time. It's not, you know, Dylan Carlson was a top 10 prospect by Baseball America. And what people don't realize is how hard it is to be a major league player. So, you know, I what I used to say is, I viewed I viewed Dylan Carlson as a guy who would take a couple years to get up to speed, and then he might have an all star year here and there in him, uh, and was probably one of the best Cardinal prospects, one of the best hitting prospects they've had since J.D. Drew, uh, and also a dynamic potential outfielder. Um, but my comparison was always Nick Markakis, and to me, like to a lot of Cardinal fans, that was a disappointment to me that's a great major league player again so i don't i wouldn't go so far as to say he's overrated or uh, a limited potential player that was overrated as a prospect what i will go to say is we are still what i will say is that we're still trying to define exactly what the hype is for a prospect and what's attainable based on that hype you know i think i think people assume that if you have a top 10 prospect that that guy's going to be a perennial all-star and a potential hall of famer and that's just not true. You know, it, it, that's just not true. Especially when you get, like, beyond the top 25. Uh, you know, when you get into the, the 10 to 25 in particular, like, and then beyond the twenty top 25. It's just not true. Because being a major leaguer and being an all-star and being a guy who who gets the MVP votes and Cy Young votes is really goddamn hard. It's, it's almost unattainable. So... What people, what I would like to see, and what I've always tried to do is, is when I when I tell people, and we talk about these top ten prospects and these these budding prospects, and we talk about them in a manner that's realistic with with these these standings and with these rankings, because you know, in my mind, when I see Dylan Carlson and I view him as a top twenty prospect in baseball and the best prospect in the Cardinals organization, you know, and then when you start, that's that's always been my issue. When I, when I before I get into my issue. Um, I think it's important to really f- flesh out what that means. To really tell people what that means. You know, that's always been my issue with grading prospects. Like, the grade system is good internally for baseball for baseball teams. I, I, I mean that. I understand that. But I think when you bring it up to fans, I think it skews what the actual grade is on a player. I think it, it misinforms them, even if the information is correct. Because... It's all about perspective at that point. It's not one organization on the same page grading out. It's all about perspective. And no matter how many times I tell people that, oh, Dylan Carlson's the best prospect in the Cardinals organization, he's going to be Nick Marcakis, uh, they they don't, we don't, fans don't, they don't adjust to that. They don't understand that. What they what they might hear is Nick Marcakis, but they're thinking, oh, that's a disappointment. He's Baseball America is saying he's 12th best prospect or 10th best prospect. That's, um, uh... Andrew McCutcheon, right? Like that doesn't always happen, that, and that almost never happens. What I will tell you is that Dylan Carlson is a great prospect. He was a great prospect, and he, to contrary to popular beliefs, he's living up to his prospect standing. It's just he had a really bad April, uh, and then that really terrible 2020 season that was awful. Even though he had, he was the only guy who hit well in that uh, that weird wild card game against the Padres. You know, uh, it's just that this is like. Use this to inform what a top prospect is, especially a kid who was 20 in AA and then dealt with 2020 season loss, and then is a switch hitter who is learning multiple outfield positions uh, uh, after being a first baseman in high school. You know, he's still very young, still very, very, very raw, still. Um, I could still see him, you know, as as a limited potential player, I still think he has way more potential to get to, and I think he will get to some of that. But, uh, you know, I went on this rant more to try to illustrate that I think the issue isn't necessarily the way that prospects are rated. I think the issue is the way that we as prospect people communicate what those ratings mean uh, and the actual attainability of those ratings. Uh, uh you know, even going from a number one prospect from one year to a number one prospect for another year, to, you know, from 2015 to 2021, I think that the, the numbers change. And even that prospect's potential changes in the process as well. Uh, Nelson 51962 over on you Twitter says the Mason Wind play you posted was fire. Yeah, that's he's just such a fun player. You know, uh, the most fun, uh, Matt Thompson, our good friend over on Prospects Live brings it up a lot. But he's the most fun player to watch in the minor leagues, specifically for the Cardinals. Aaron Johnson over on YouTube, thoughts on uh, Avon Herrera's MLB performance so far? I think it's been fine. You know, I think he's a little jumpy behind the plate. Uh, I think we've seen that on on some balls in the dirt, uh, maybe some transfers. Um, I think he's been fine, right? I think there's more, uh, but you know, I'm I'm not one to evaluate over evaluate catchers. I, I think he's doing just fine. Uh, and I definitely think he's passing uh, Andrew Kisner uh, on the depth chart. You know, uh, Kis has been disappointing. There's no way to get around it. And I'm definitely on board with more of on Herrera than Kis at this point. VHS over on YouTube says, Can you contrast uh, Jonathan Mejia's, uh, the 17-year-old Dominican switch hitting shortstop, and Lisandro Espinosa, the 19-year-old Venezuelan righty shortstop? Both seem like smallish, contact-oriented shortstops. Look, I'm going to tell you, uh, I have not seen enough of Jonathan Mejia. Intentionally, like I looked him up, but again, 17 years old. He's getting a lot of publicity. He costs a little bit of money. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to stay out of that. Like let's get him. Let's get him 19, and then we'll start talking about him. Uh, as Graham will tell you, I only mess with boys who are 18 years or older. That is not. That's not a real thing to the new PAD people. Uh, it's a fake thing that we take very seriously over here on PAD. After dark. And the truth is, Lazardo Espinoza, I think, has a really short, compact swing that has a little bit of fire to it. Uh, again, I don't know if he's ever going to hit for any kind of power, but, uh, you know, I'm not in a position right now where I feel comfortable, um, where I'm, I feel comfortable, like, even talking about either, to be honest with you. Like, anything that I would say would just be a regurgitation of other people's evaluations. Kareem says, the Cardinals system is bottom two and whiff. Percentage, and I know they've targeted zone-filling sinker ballers in the draft, but they're also bottom three in XERA. The smarter teams target whiffs. Yeah, can't argue. I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, yeah, smarter teams. What do you mean by smarter teams? Let me ask you that. Because I think smart uh, is is a relative term. Uh, I think there's an application to it. Um and I think that maybe when we talk about smarter teams, I think we need to see how those smarter teams are actually applying their prospects at the major league level. And maybe that narrative isn't fully realized. Uh, but I mean, you're, you're right. Some of the perceived smarter teams are definitely doing that. Uh, NY and, and says, what are your thoughts on the international signing this year? Are they playing in the organization yet? I don't have any thoughts. The international signing period is a mess. Um, but uh, yeah, getting back to last year, it's like, we love Luis Pino. He's good, uh, and then some other stuff. I'll be honest, I don't care about the international kids right now. Um, uh, Blindhover says, Is this Moises Gomez, a Yepes 2.0? No, no. Moises Gomez is like Jag Junior uh, with, without the defensive acumen. A good arm, some power. He's going to strike out a lot. Aaron Jones says, "Aaron Johnson says, What does a trade that includes Paul DeYoung look like? What's his value? Well, right now, he took a pitch off the hand, and he's hurt. So I, wouldn't imagine, I don't really know what that means. Uh, you know, he has kind of a high number for a guy who a team would be taking a flyer on. He was really starting to get his shit together at, uh, at Memphis, uh, but also still having some issues. Look, I, I don't know what another how another team would value Paul DeYoung. I would imagine it's diminished. I would imagine if the Cardinals made the trade, it was because they're just trying to free up some cash. Um, and that usually gets the Cardinals in trouble, as we've seen in the past. Victoria has a bunch of uh, laughing faces. I cannot imagine what I said. I'm sorry. Uh, Kareem says, all the heavy data-driven teams, Dodgers, Giants, Indians, get the best results. Outside of Henson, Pacheco, the majority of our pitchers don't have great shape. I think change is needed. Now, let me tell you this, Kareem. Um, That's, again, with the data available. What I will tell you is, and this is other organizations are going to start doing this. Now, you're right. The data that you brought up is correct. But start looking into, there's a new thing happening with arm angle, arm slot and pitch type coming from arm angles and arm slots. Uh, they're starting to use 3D mapping to, um, not the Cardinals, but uh, teams are starting to use 3D mapping to, to quantify deception. Uh, there's more going on than what's available to the public. Uh, more than I know for sure, I can tell you that. So you're right, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Indians are all teams that are doing things uh, uh, that are positive. But again, the Dodgers are a whole different world. Like we know that the Dodgers put more money into their development than anybody else. They're ahead of the pack. That's a whole different world, and every team would do well to just follow them. Same goes with the, the Tampa Bay Rays. I would suggest that Daniel Espino and some of the other Indians pitchers are doing it a little bit differently um, from what I've heard. Uh, but I get why the Indians get the publicity they get. They've done some great stuff. I will say that the industry is kind of caught up with them, uh, and they're using some of the techniques that maybe we as baseball fans don't necessarily know and haven't necessarily been given the publicity that, uh, that, that is getting otherwise. But yeah, you're right. Look, when, when the teams are cutting hedge like the Dodgers, and again, there's nothing, nothing like the money that the Dodgers put into player development. Um, but when you're talking about stuff like that, like it does well to follow the examples of the teams that are optimizing what they have in front of them. Over on uh, YouTube... Ari, uh, Aaron Johnson says, I really hope they try Hicks as a starter again, even if it's not this year, because if he can command that fastball, he could be really efficient. Also, I think that his splits change is key. Yeah, I, look, I, you guys know um, you guys know that I love Jordan Hicks, and anything I say is going to be biased, probably. So I should probably say out of it, but yeah, look, I'm with you. I, I still hope he gets a chance to be a starter in the long run. Uh, Kareem says, I love Carlson and do think he's got the potential to be a perennial 120 WRC pad, which is great, but the exit velocities aren't great, and I don't believe he's a superstar guy, people thought. That's totally fine. Yeah, look, uh, again, we, this is that's why I always try to go to the Nick Markikis thing with, with uh, Dylan Carlson, and why everybody was like, aren't you worried about his exit velocities? No, because exit velocities aren't everything, and max exit velocity isn't everything. You know, it's the same thing with Brendan Donovan. People used to ask me, are you worried about Brendan? No, I'm not. Because it's about how you're making contact and the type of hitter you are. Like when you're just looking, when you're just quantifying things down to spin rates or pitch shape, or and pit, those are all important. Or when you know uh, when you're just talking about exit velocities, you're only getting part of the the scouting report. You're only getting part of the argument. You know, again, if if Moises Gomez is having um, you know average exit velocities of 90, that's an issue. But when you're talking about minor league version of Dylan Carlson and having, you know, whatever it was, it was like 93.7 or 91.3 or whatever it was, I was not as concerned about it because he was more of a hitter than he was a power guy. He would run into power. He would even, you know, especially running into power left-handed. You know, Dylan Carlson as a lefty is a whole different thing to me. When I I went back and I watched some of my gifs of his approach at AA before COVID lockdown, and his approach is different than it was. He's not hunting pitches. I don't believe, I think that's really where... Dylan Carlson has fallen off as a left-handed swinger. I don't think he's hunting anymore, and I think that what happened in 2020 really, really hurt him mentally. Uh, you know, coming up with the bases loaded, getting beat on changeups. I think he's still in protection mode against changeups, and I think that works against him from a power process, a power aspect, um, and a slug aspect. But yeah, look, uh, Kareem. Again, this is all about perspective, but to me, like. I hear a guy who's probably going to be a perennial 120 WRC plus guy, and to me, uh, especially for a 20-year-old at AA, like, that's a top 10 prospect because of how rare that is. You know, that is. That doesn't grow on trees. It, the, the problem is, again, a, a perspective issue to me more than anything, and that that falls on people like me to do a better job of articulating what that spot means. And That's why I like when I write the write-ups, I try to get into as much depth as I can and in information, Uh, I do think there's all-star appearances. I do think he'll get MVP votes at some time. You know, he might be, like, finished 17th with, like, three of them. Uh, You know, an 8th-place finish, a ninth place finish, a 10th-place finish. But I do think he has it in him. Uh, Blind Homer says, What up with this Antico kid that was just promoted? Uh, He's a speedy kid who spent most of his time in college at St. John's his last year at Texas. He's... He does some really... You know, he's stolen, like, 38 of 41 bases um, this year. He's kind of a weird center fielder. He's got good speed, but he's kind of weird out there. You know, his arm's kind of weird in center. Um, And he started shortening his swing and hitting for contact, and that made a huge difference. Um, And that's why after the first month of being completely terrible in Peoria, he's made some strides to be pretty good since then. And we'll see if he keeps it up in, in Springfield. You know, the Cardinals have had a rash of Players who get to Springfield after showing some promise as a left-handed bat, and then fizzle out. I'm anxious to see, uh... I'm anxious to see how that all, that plays out. Over here on YouTube, sorry guys, it's been a while since I've done this, I am tired. Um, I'm embarrassed, I'm sorry. God, it's been a long time. Uh, Connor Wareman's, oh wait, hold on. Uh, Aaron Johnson says, who ends up being a higher war player over the first five M-level seasons? Uh, winner Walker. I'll say Walker. Connor Wehrman says, assuming Yadi is back to the next, back in the next few weeks, how would you like to see the catcher position handled in the big league level in the second half of the season? Is kids due for a change of scenery move? Look, I'll be honest with you. At this point, um, if if and when Yadi comes back, Herrera would be my choice. Uh, he's just been better. Um, and to Kareem's point. The next is, I think we need to invest more in teaching catchers how to frame. Uh, I will say we need to invest more into umpires who don't fall for that shit. Let me tell you what drives me nuts, Kareem, and tell me if I'm off base here. Uh, is that I watch all of these catchers in Major League Baseball who are graded out as good um, framers uh, for, from the data that is available to the public, which again is different than some of the data that's available to teams. I watch it and I think, well, that guy's terrible at framing. But all he's doing is grabbing a pitch that's off screen and bringing it into screen. And that is somehow passing as good framing these days. Uh, and, again, we, we watch it like with Stallings. Like we watch it with him. He gets calls on strikes that are balls, and he's not even framing. He's just swiping the ball into the, 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 the zone, and umpires are falling for it. Uh, let me tell you what I think we need to invest in. The automatic balls and strike system. That's what I think we need to invest in. I, I don't give a shit, like, framing is important, while the automatic balls and strike system is not implemented, for sure. And, you know, there are moments, the other night, I know people got frustrated with kids that's whatever, you know, there there are moments when kids is frustrating, there's moments when Herrera is frustrating, there's moments when Julio Rodriguez, who is really good at it, is frustrating, uh, but to me, the issue is, has, and always will be, umpires, and you know, the other thing, real fast, I'm going to take some of the heat off of the umpires when I say that, and also say that, like, keep in mind, everybody has evolved with time, except for umpires, it... You expect an umpire to catch up to a 100-mile-an-hour cutter to be able to call a strike on a 100-mile-an-hour cutter? Fuck no, these umpires have been around for 20 years. They haven't seen this shit before, and that's why they're all bad. Like, hitting a baseball's tough. Catching a baseball's tough. Trying to call a strike from behind home plate when you're not directly behind it and it's skewed, That skewed? The blame falls on the umpires just as much as it falls, more so than it falls, uh, on the catcher's framing ability, but again, it's a tool. It's something that helps pitchers. And uh, the, some of the Cardinals catchers are really bad at it. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, before we get to Counter Wehrman's question, uh, J. Lush 15 says. Not a switch hitter. Burley reminds me of Lance Berkman. Not super athletic, but a guy who just hits. Yeah, I think that's an easy comparison to make. Um, yeah, I think that's an easy comparison to make, and I see where you're going. I don't think he'll be as good as Lance Berkman. But, uh, yeah, like uh, the, the you know perceived non-athletic, although they're at more athletic than you or I, uh, with uh, hitting a tool is, is very, very on brand. You know, the difference is Berkman was more of a well-rounded hitter than Burley was uh, from a plate discipline and... Uh, you know, full-on approach standpoint. Not to take anything away from Burleson. You know, Berkman's a fringe, way fringe Hall of Fame type player. Uh, Warman says, bouncing off a of cream's question: How do you know noti- it? Have you noticed the impact of the automatic strike zone on framing much yet? Keep in mind that the automatic strike zone in the minor league level is um is only available for like one team: the Pacific Coast League and the Cardinals in the International League now and then down to the Low A, which I don't even get to see. So uh, I will say that the framing hasn't changed much from my view. Uh, what I, when the Cardinals played in Charlotte, it was awesome to watch pitches that were fringe strikes that would probably not be strikes get called strikes. Uh, and they've made tweaks to the automatic balls and strike system that people need to get a, that still need some, some ironing out. But yeah, I do. I enjoy watching it. I like watching, especially minor league games, because minor league gumps are worse than major league gumps, as you would suspect. I enjoy watching minor league games with the automatic balls and strike system. Um, and you know, as far as framing goes, I I haven't noticed much of a difference, but I have also haven't seen the ABS system much in the minor leagues. So, uh, you know, take that for whatever that is worth. Um, yeah, I look forward to ABS when, when ABS comes. Uh, Dodgers, Indians, Cream says over on YouTube, Dodgers, Indians, Giants, all the driveline heavy teams that are having great success throughout their systems. Yeah, yeah, statistically for sure. Aaron Johnson says, should they be trying to get Thompson starts? Yeah, I would, you know, I, I don't know. They just need to get Thompson. They need to get, uh, uh, they just need to have success. I don't know what else to say. I know that's, uh, uh, I know that's kind of crazy, but um, they just need to have success, right? <laughs> they need to get better. Um, and right now, I think Thompson is just as important to the bullpen as he is to the start, starting staff with, with Genesis Cabrera. Um, hold on, I lost my spot. Sorry, I'm, I'm bouncing back and forth because I lost my goddamn spot on the Twitter and the YouTube. I'm sorry about that. The question from Aaron Johnson was, should they be trying to get Thompson starts? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I just think the bullpen role is important for him, especially with Hennessy's down. Kind of Wehrman said on YouTube, I like the Marquickis comp for Carlson, but what do you think about the Michael Brantley comp? It's one I like a lot. Yeah, again, like, I don't know. I, I get the athleticism. Brantley's had some good years. You know, it's, it's always tough when you're talking about a player who's dealt with injuries early on, the way that Michael Brantley did, because then you're not really dealing with a full canvas to draw your picture from. You know, I... Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe... Maybe as like a, an upside pick, but yeah, like there's athleticism there, there's speed. Uh, you know, I just, the important thing to remember is both of those guys are just kind of like, they're not, they're not perennial, 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 perennial all-stars. They're not guys who are going to get a ton of MVP votes, right? Um, although both, I think both have gotten it, I'm pretty sure. I know Brantley got it, I don't remember if Marcakis ever got it. Uh, but they're, they're contributors on a major league roster for 10 to 14 years. VHS says, we haven't seen much from Joshua Baez. Has he had any setbacks? And how does he compare against Drew Jones? Drew Drew, Drew Jones is a better hitter uh, than Joshua Baez. Joshua Baez had to have wrist surgery, I believe, or hand surgery, or something like that. He got hit by a pitch. uh, So that's why we haven't heard much from him. That's why he's been absent. But uh, Drew Jones is on a whole other level. Like He's a polished, more athletic, uh, more reachable potential version. Uh, of uh, um, Drew Jones of uh, um, Joshua Baez Ken Werman says thank you Umstead fall for shitty framing is infuriating I agree uh, have you uh, VHS says on framing preach uh, over here on uh, well, nope staying over here on YouTube we have have you heard that DOJ might go after MLB's antitrust trust exemption they're looking into how they treat MILB players and how they cut teams yeah we're gonna see how that goes you know that's a uh, yeah, I thought that uh, Jeff Passan did a good job of chronologic, of, of like chronicling that in his hundred tweet thread. That's a lot of saber rattling by politicians too. We'll see if it actually gets anywhere. Um, but yeah, look, anytime, anytime that you get this type of yeah, you get this type of attention on minor leagues, it's a good thing and how mistreated they are, and how tough the conditions are, etc. But uh, anytime you're also dealing with a political issue, it's a political issue until it's uh, something that's changed. And as we know, American politics are complete and utter bullshit right now. Uh, Regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, it's pathetic and disgusting. So uh, we'll wait and see how it all goes. Uh, Kareem says, umps are terrible, and I want ABS, but you got to adapt to the times, and umpires are still calling balls and strikes. Umps are going to miss, but catchers can be consistently good framers, which is so valuable. Yeah, I agree, but I also think that some of those good framers, if you, I mean, I'm mean, telling you, Kareem, if you go back and watch some of those good framers, like, it's atrocious, the calls that they're getting. Do you think we'll see a woman make it into the MLB someday? Yeah, of course we'll make it someday. I don't know if it's any time in the near future, but yeah, for someday. Uh, all right, so we are at the end of our questions, and a, I think a long prospects after dark. I have no idea how we've been in here. I'm going to raise my glass, again, to, to the, the PAD people, to uh, Cardinals guests, to all of you who have been in here and asking questions. I've had a good conversation. Again, I'm out of practice. I'm sorry. My mind is not working as fast as it normally does, and we are doing this regularly. So I apologize. Like, I had a couple moments there, especially at the end, where, like, I just blanked. And I am, I am completely, completely sorry about that. You know, I, I want to be better than what I was tonight. Uh, but you guys kicked ass, you know, uh, again, the YouTube people, uh, VHS Kareem, Aaron Johnson, Connor Wehrman, all the people on, on Twitter, like, you guys kicked ass, to you I raise my glass. You know, also, to all the pad people, uh, Yepes's, Donovan's, uh, Carlson's, to Jeff, uh, uh, Karen, Tanner, to uh, the Hicks family, you know, we raised our glass there, you know, those guys kick ass. We love all the people in here. To Birds on the Black, we'll get to Birds on the Black in a second. Uh, to Birds on the Black, you know, Stu Styles still does the best scorecards, the best game recaps. He's awesome. When Enchil chips in, he's awesome. Ben cerruti kicks ass, he's awesome. I miss chirps with all my heart from Alex Crisofoli and Tara Wellman-Nichols. Uh, to, to all of the birds on the black people, I raise my glass. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, but Cardinal's Gifts, I love you, bud. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, yeah, you're the best, my friend. Uh, to you. Uh, well, I guess we'll go to Connor Wehrman. He has one more question here. Don't know how much I've followed him since he got traded, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on Carson Kelly has fallen off so much as year. I, To be honest... When I looked at his stats the other day, I was like, holy fuck, Carson Kelly got really fucking bad really fucking quick. Uh, and he was never, you know, he had a really good couple of seasons. I was always super bullish on Carson Kelly. Um, but yeah, I don't have any thoughts. I think it sucks that he's bad. And uh, hopefully uh, <laughs> and hopefully um, he can get his shit together. Because I always root for the Cardinals prospects when they leave the organization. I know that's counter to maybe some other people who don't want to see them do well. And I know it sucks when they do well in another organization and maybe they were traded for like... $300 for the Texas Rangers, but it's always good to see them do well, so I'm always rooting for them. Um, but, uh, oh God, now my thing's acting up again. Uh, yeah, I don't have any thoughts on why he's bad or what's happening. Uh, but again, to, for everybody at Prospect, uh, VHS says, Kyle, 101 ESPN, that's some jerk on acting like they knew anything about Cardinals prospects today. What do you have to say about that? Here's what I have to say about that, honestly. To uh, to, to uh, Brandon Kiley, to Alex Ferrario, to Tanner Hendrickson, or Henderson, or whatever the hell his name is, to, uh, again, all the people on Hot Take Central, Charlie Marlowe, Cam Jansen, uh, uh, Jimmy the Cat Hayes, Seth Close, uh, Nate Lucas, to all the people on the Bernie Nicholas Show, Jim Hewer, Bernie Mikulis, that have had me on their show to talk about baseball stuff. Like, I don't deserve that. You know, uh, Kareem will tell you, I'm fucking terrible at this. Like, every, I'm. you guys know, you've heard me. I'm not any good at this. Uh, so... Uh, to have me on, it's the, it's the thrill of my lifetime. There are people who are better at this than I am, who are smarter at this than I am, and uh, it it's it's flattering and humbling to be a part of it all. So to all those people who have invited me on to have conversations with them about the thing that I love, uh, baseball, specifically minor league baseball, I am forever grateful and thankful, uh, and I raise my glass for that. And again, well, real fast, as uh, creams in here, I just want to say I do not mean to be condescending. I... I, I have this thing where I'm just tweeting and I don't think about it and I am I I, I do want to apologize wholeheartedly. If ever I come across as condescending, I don't I would say ninety nine point five percent of the time I don't mean it that way. When I do mean it like five tenths of the percentage other the other time for sure, but uh I, I get caught up that I think people know me and know the shit that I say and know that I'm goofy and lighthearted and I just assume that they think that way and I need to be better about choosing the words that I choose. And I'm sorry for any type of uh, uh, misconception from my part, but what is an actual fair appraisal on your part? uh, And not just you, Kareem, but like other people's parts. If it comes across that way, I need to be better. Uh, So to all those people, again, self-actualize, self-realize, 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 and we're all gonna get better, uh, uh, hopefully together. So to all of you, all the pet people, I raise my glass. Uh, I, I say, uh, welcome to the resistance. Uh, thank you so much. And that's it. That's prospects after dark for July 1st, my brother Jim's birthday to you. I raised my glass. We got booze for days over here and heartburn now. Um, Oh no, creamy didn't offend me, but you're good. Um, for everybody at Prospects After Dark, everybody at Birds on the Black, it's an honor to entertain you for a little bit on a Friday night. I love you all. As always, family, happy hunting. Go Cardinals. Don't freak out. It's a long season. We'll get to where we need to get. Uh, uh, again, well, I, I want to end this on just saying, like, I never freak out about what the Cardinals do in the offseason. That doesn't matter. What always pisses me off is how shitty they, they adapt in season, I don't believe the off-season wins titles. I believe the adapt- adaptations you make during the season wins titles, and the Cardinals need help for the pitching staff, whether it be the bullpen or the pitching st- the rotation from the outside the organization. And if they don't get it, then that's a failure, uh, even if it is just an innings eater or uh, a, a recycled veteran reliever. They need a they need help. And if they're going to take the next step, they need to achieve it now. That's why I never get upset about what they do in the offseason. I only ever get upset about what they do in season, especially for a team built on allegedly and hopefully built on internal options. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, to, to everybody at Prospects After Dark, for everybody at Prospects After Dark, for the Reese family, everybody at Birds on Black, I'm Kyle Reese. Have a great night. Go Cardinals. Happy